This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. We are now joined by Charles Payne. Many of you know him as the host of Making Money with Charles Payne on the Fox Business Network. He is also CEO and Principal Financial Analyst of Wall Street Strategies. Charles, great to talk with you today. It's great to be here. Thank you very much. So the topic is inequality, and obviously when you hear that term in this day and age, what does it mean to you? What is the impact that it has on you? It's, it's all, for me, it's all about uh, the opportunity to achieve the American dream. And there are so many components that go into that, to making that happen. And so we're seeing some of it, obviously, on full display in the last couple of weeks. But I I think it's uh, there for me, probably the biggest part of it in my mind, particularly when it comes to black Americans, is is the watered down educations uh, that they receive that, you know, when my son was in elementary school, uh, I remember helping him with with homework once. And I I, I just kind of Googled the chapter he was on and find additional information to help him. And I discovered there were two tests and he was getting the easier test. And, you know, we didn't even live in a, in a majority black neighborhood, but uh, I started to investigate this more. I joined the board of a charter school, in fact, the poorest congressional district in America in the South Bronx. Mm. And I, I really, sorry, learned a lot about the real issue is, you know, they talk about the uh, the educational gap and uh, there have been all kinds of theories on why by the time a, a black kid is in 12th grade and a white kid is in 12th grade, the huge gap in reading and math and some say, well, it's because in the summertime, uh, you know, the, the kids aren't reading or doing math. But I think it begins in kindergarten with these watered-down curriculums, mostly in urban areas, uh, that just really don't they, – they don't have confidence that these kids can make it. Then they try to change it and make it better by thrusting them – by thrusting them into a college or even an advanced high school like in New York – that they're not prepared for, and ironically, that some other kid actually earned. So right. the problem is exacerbated. And then, of course, in corporate America, it's really tough when you go and work somewhere, and there's a cultural divide. There's a sort of, uh, you know, for a lot of white people who work in these companies, the, the notion that, hey, I'm not a racist because I'm not in the Klan, uh, but then there's a lot of Amy Coopers out there. So it, it's such, yeah. there's so many moving parts to all of this. I think the most beautiful thing right now that's come out of this tragedy is a chance to address them. Well, and and I I read that one of the areas that you have focused on uh, personally is the tech sector. And in many cases, the lack of diversity hiring uh, for uh, individuals of color and other communities uh, in that sector. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, so uh, ironically, right on the cusp of this, I was joining another charter school uh, with 10 schools and a focus strictly on STEM. And, uh, you know, I've been talking to a company out of the UK, which is making marvelous products to teach kids and make STEM stuff fun for them at a very early age. But, you know, Gina, Gina Rometty, uh, former CEO of IBM, she came up with this term called new collar jobs. So they're not blue collar. Uh, you need more than a high school diploma, but they're not white collar where you necessarily need a college education. And there's a lot of those kind of jobs in the technology area as well. And you look at how many people we bring over to this country from other countries that work in technology. It's not 
listen, I'm not knocking anyone's work ethic, but I don't think it's always about that. I think it's, well, to a degree, they, they get some of these workers less than they'd have to pay Americans, but that there's no sort of system to train up Americans. And by the way, this is a black and white issue. It's just right. that's an, a real American issue when it comes to STEM and opportunities in Silicon Valley and other tech areas where uh, it, it, it's, it's ironic because corporate America understands investing. Uh, everyone has a, a budget for their capital expenditures and research and development. But there's always been this sort of void about the notion of investing in Americans for a smarter, wealthier consumer here at home. We're joined by Charles Payne, host of Making Money with Charles Payne on the Fox Business Network. When you look at, at, at some of the businesses that, as I mentioned at the top, many of them have, have shut down or, or gone out of business uh, during this pandemic, uh, the scary part about it is is that in many communities, these are the lifeblood uh, of that particular area. And when you see those businesses go out of, uh, you know, have to shut down, it's a significant impact for not just that business owner, but also for the, you know, 1,000, 2,000, 5,000 people that, that may be served by that business. It's, it's, um, it's, it's beyond, it's, it's just almost incomprehensible. And, and I did a lot of research in the 1968 Watts riots. Uh, about 10 years ago, I was going to write a book uh, on, on Bell, California and, and Watts and all those areas. And, people would be shocked to know the kind of businesses that were moving into Watts at the time. And they used to park the Goodyear blimp in South Central. (laughs) So (laughs) in South Central LA, you know, so um, it's, it's, it's a real sad, unfortunate part of all of this. Uh, That's something that's got to be addressed as well. And again, it's really heartbreaking when a lot of these places that, uh, that are hit the hardest are, are local folks who've worked hard, saved for decades and felt like they were on the cusp of living their American dream. What needs to occur then? What What are the changes that you would like to see occur to to really start to change this around? You mentioned education, and obviously that's a that's a big piece to it, especially in the formative years for for a lot of kids. But what needs to occur between the businesses and and, and local governments? I mean, there are as you said there are so many different components at play here. You know, since uh, it's not about just money, right? We're just not about throwing money at this. Um, if you even go back to, to LBJ and, and the Great Society and, and you go back to the Civil Rights Act of 64, 65, the Voting Act, and all of these things that occurred and all of the money that's fallen behind them, you know, it's, it's about accountability, effective programs. I can remember as a kid in Harlem going to some of these programs, these neighborhood programs. Honestly, they were a joke. The people that were running them didn't know what they were doing. It's just sort of checking the box, and some politician would come by and smile. Look what I'm doing for everyone. So I think really a better system of, of accountability and making sure that they work. Now, as far as corporate America is concerned, I think really everyone's saying the same thing. Hey, money is fine, but you know, what, what are you really doing? Yeah. yeah. Amazon, is there upward mobility? Facebook, is there upward mobility? It's, it's, it's you know, Adidas, you know, they, they uh, offered some really small amount of money four or five days ago, and they were shamed into bumping it to $150 million. Heck, Run DMC made them $150 million. So, yeah. Yeah. alone. And so the point is, there's got to be authentic efforts. To, to really make things better. And the thing is, is people aren't bad people, but right. there is something about cultures 
inside businesses that have a lack of respect for what black people can do. And, and it manifests itself in, a, in many ways. They're small, but they add up. There's not one single black friend or relative of mine that does not feel like they've been discriminated against at work. Not one. Imagine that. I, there yeah. must be thousands of people, not yeah. one to a degree. So businesses have to wake up to what they're doing, even subconsciously. I know it's not systemic and it's not in your, in the, in your company handbook, but something is going wrong in your organization. Let me ask you this, because obviously a lot of attention in, in the last couple of days has also been focused on the National Football League and, and you know, the, the issues that that league has had with kneeling. And now you, you hear Roger Goodell, the commissioner, come out and make the statement that he made. But a lot of people are still on the owners of the teams that really drive this to come out and make a statement and show support. And here we're talking about the most popular sports league that, that, you know, millions upon millions of Americans watch every week and they support by buying shirts and hats and tickets and everything. This, this is a league that can be a leader here. It can be. And I, you know, I don't have any problem with uh, owners saying, I don't like the notion of kneeling during the national anthem. I personally don't like it, you know, but I think, uh, again, it, it's, it's, this is there's a lot of superficial stuff. Whether it's saying, "Okay, I'm okay with kneeling," or "I'll, I'll write you a check for ten million bucks," all of this kind of superficial stuff means that this will be like 1968, and we'll look back ten years later and, and twenty years later, and the same kids that were living in the projects now their kids are living with them in the projects. So it's it's got to go deeper than that. I want to know who's in management. I want to know. Uh, who's in personnel training and development. And, yeah, it's good to acknowledge other people's feelings. It really is good to do that. So I don't know that, uh, you know, just by saying, hey, you know, we're going to – it's not going to be a big deal, Neil, during the national anthem. Right. Uh, I think an owner can feel how they want to feel about that. I'm much more concerned about how many people you've hired in your organization, how many people are you helping in the community surrounding your stadium in your organization. Then, then can can Congress and the White House, can they play a role here from a policy side in improving some of the opportunities available? They can, as long as there's no there's the finger pointing. You know, I, I said it's, I've been saying for the last two weeks, the worst thing about all of this, what's happening, the, the two things that could hurt it the most are politicians and the media. And I sincerely believe that um, it's it's if it's all going to be about Trump as a bad man, then it's it's not going to work. Uh, and it's, it's, if it's if it's all going to be about uh, cutting checks, it's not going to work. It's going to be about accountability for everyone, and that includes black people. It's going to be optimi- all about that. Are, are yeah, you? Are, are, it's all right. Are, are you optimistic now? Then I am optimistic. How confident? I am, I am cautiously optimistic. Right. That was going to be my next question: was whether or not there's a level of, of hesitancy in the in that optimism as well. There's hesitancy because we've been here before. Now things have changed. You know, if you look at the composition of people who are protesting, certainly, uh, you know, I think uh, the old mayor of New York City used to call it a beautiful mosaic of people and, and hues and colors. So, yeah. I do believe it's uh, something like, and I and I saw this coming for the last ten years, and I also saw the the composition of those crowds changing too, because I saw my son with his friends yeah. and, and how they interacted and what they talk about and how beautifully mixed, you know, you, you know, 10 guys come over, hang out at the pool, and three are white, two Hispanics, and Asian, you know, that's just wonderful. And, that, and that's not an issue or 
it's nowhere near the issue for them that it was for our generation, or you know, certainly for mine. And you know, and they're all listening to to Rick Ross, you know, or yeah. or Drake. Yeah. So I, I think the platform is there. I think the willingness is there, but there's still obstacles, and some of them are embedded. Some are deeply embedded psychological ob- obstacles that we carry from generation to generation, and that are going to be hard to get out of. Charles, great to talk with you. Thanks for uh, joining us today. All the best. You got it. Thanks a lot. Charles Payne, host of uh, Making Money with Charles Payne on the Fox Business Network. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.